So birthdays and anniversaries are these amazing opportunities most of the time where we get the chance to celebrate that another year has passed, we get the opportunity to celebrate the passage of time, but generally when we have a birthday or an anniversary, we take some time to look back and to reflect and do a bit of celebrating about the things that have passed, and we generally do a little bit of looking forward as well to talk about, okay, what's the next year look like or what's the next season look like as we move forward from here? So Ali just uh, celebrated a significant birthday. I won't say which one. And uh, we just celebrated our 23rd wedding anniversary a couple of weeks ago. And so we, in the midst of that, have been doing a bit of this as well, a bit of looking back and remembering and celebrating and storytelling, but also a little bit of looking forward and saying, okay, well, in the next year, what do we want to focus on and where do we move forward from here? And so on our anniversary service at Brooklyn Park, we like to do the same thing, to be able to look back and to remember and recognise the story about how we came to be, but also to take some time to look forward and to think about what the future holds for us. And so we're going to do that today. And as a part of that, I think it's always helpful for us to be able to uh, remind ourselves about the story of how we were formed as a church. And uh, some of you have heard this many times before, but particularly for those who are newer, you wouldn't be aware about how we started. So Brooklyn Park Church of Christ was actually planted out of Mile End Church of Christ. So church that's just down the road a little bit. So in the 1920s, uh, Mile End Church of Christ was a big, thriving, healthy church. And there was a group of people there who were going down there from here. And if you think about the 1920s, transport wasn't quite as easy as it is now. And so they had a real heart to say, what does it look like to plant a church that can reach out into this community and into the neighbourhoods around us. And so on February the 10th, 1924, a very small group of people got together in the home of a family called the Arthur family uh, to be able to start praying about that and to say, God, are you calling us to plant a church here at Brooklyn Park or somewhere in this area? Over the next few weeks, a few more people joined them and a couple of weeks later they started having some regular communion services at their home and so we effectively started as a house church uh, where people would get together, they would have communion, spend some time praying and spend some time planning about what the future held. In June, uh, July, sorry, of 1924, uh, this block of land was purchased. And then on October the 4th, 1924, which is why we celebrate on the first uh, Sunday of October each year, the first service was held on this property. Now, I uh, stumbled across the picture that you've got on the right there, your left, my right, <laughs> uh, which I believe is the original building that was Brooklyn Park Church of Christ. So that's the building we have said for years. We wish we had a photo of this. Someone from the Historical Society of West Torrance managed to find that, and so now we've got a picture of what our original building was. So they built that here on this block of land, and uh, my understanding is that there was a mild earthquake that happened at some point in uh, the decades after that, and so the building uh, was unstable, and so it got knocked down, and so many of you will be aware, and may have even started coming when we had a Nissan hut, one of those kind of hanger-shaped ones that was on this property as well, and then that was knocked down so that this chapel that we're in now could be built in the 60s. So, But that's the original building that we were in uh, back when things first started. When we planted our church, when we first began in 1924, there were 35 people who'd committed to help our church get started. And I'm always challenged by that every time I think about that reality, to say there was 35 people who got a sense of vision, a sense of heart, a sense of passion to say, God, we know that you want to do something. And so banded together to be able to pull their resources and to be able to say, we want to invest in something that now 96 years is continuing to be here. 
35 people is less than half the number of people that we have who are a part of Brooklyn Park Church of Christ today. And so I'm always challenged to say, what can God do in and through us as we catch a vision for what it is that he might want to do in and through us? If he could do that through a group of 35 people, imagine what he could do through us. And so over the last 96 years, we've then had this huge history of reaching out into the community. It was the reason that we were planted as a church, and it's always been our heartbeat. And so whether that's been playgroups, whether that's been kids clubs, youth groups, craft groups, sporting clubs, which we've had lots of, especially basketball, netball and tennis, there's always been this huge heart for us to say, how can we reach out and connect with people in the community around us? And over the last 96 years, literally thousands and thousands of people's lives have been touched because of the work that has happened through our church family. And so today we want to say a huge thank you, especially to those of you who have invested for decades and decades. I know there are some of you who have been around for a long time, and again, we won't go into figures exactly, uh, but some of you who've been here for a very long time. And so we want to say a huge thank you for the investment that you've made in our church family, for all of the time, all of the heart, all of the passion, all of the energy, all of the finances that you've put into giving us the legacy that we have here today. But we also want to say thank you to those of you who are newer to our church family because you have brought a renewed sense of hope and a renewed sense of passion and vision to us as we continue to think about what the future holds. So we're really grateful that all of us are a part of the family that God's got for us here at Brooklyn Park. So today we're going to have a look at this reading that comes from Colossians chapter 1 and uh, it's a really beautiful prayer that Paul writes to the church in Colossae but I think if we said to Paul, we're celebrating our 96th anniversary, could you just write us a letter to uh, tell us how you feel about us as a church and what you think about how we're going? I think Paul would actually write a lot of the similar things that we've got here and so we're going to unpack this as a way of being able to look back and also being able to look ahead. So Colossians chapter 1 verse 3. Paul writes, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. So as we look at what Paul says here, there's three key things that he pulls out, which as I said, I think he would also say to us as we look back over the last 96 years. First of all, he says, we've heard of your faith in Jesus. And I think if Paul was to write to us, he would say, we've heard about the way in which you have continued to be a Jesus-centered church, that throughout your life as a church, you've continually talked about Jesus. You've continued to focus on Jesus. You've continued to center yourselves around his teaching and to help people understand what it means to be able to follow Jesus. Paul also says, we've heard about your love for all of God's people. And I think that he would say that's true of us as well, that we have always had this huge heart to reach out and connect with God's people in the area around us. We have spent a lot of time as a church engaging with other churches. We've always had a huge heart to work together, to not say it's all about us as a church, but to say how do we work with other churches and not just Church of Christ churches, but other denominations as well to be involved in things like schools, ministry, different events that we've been involved in that reach out into the community. We've always had a heart for all of God's people. But I think we would probably take it a step further and say not just God's people that are in churches, but that we believe that God's people are everywhere. And so we have always had a heart for God's people in all of the neighbourhoods that are around us as a church too. Paul would then probably say the same thing, that all of what we do comes from the hope of what God has reserved in heaven. 
this passion that we've got to be able to point people to life the way that God created it to be. To be able to say, God created us to be able to live and experience what he's got for us. And then our desire is to help people to literally experience heaven on earth, to get a taste of what what is there for us in eternity. But because of that, to have a sense of hope about what the future holds and hope that can take us out of our existing circumstances. All of those three things are summed up in what are probably three of the most important words about what it means to follow Jesus. Faith, hope and love. That ultimately that's what we focus on as we follow Jesus together. Faith, trust in who Jesus is, trust in what Jesus has done for us and trust in what it means to be able to follow him. Hope in the sense that there is something bigger than the circumstances that we go through in our lives. Hope that there is something beyond this life. And then love, which is ultimately the driver for everything that we do together. Faith, hope and love. I think Paul would say those have been three key distinctives for us as a church over these last 96 years. When verse 6, Paul then writes, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. And again, I think if Paul looked back over our history, he would say that we have been a part of helping Jesus' good news get planted all around the world and to be able to see people's lives changed. We've just talked about how we have continued to be involved in things like Safe Water September to be able to help organise clean water for people in the developing world in Zimbabwe and Vanuatu being able to be involved in Operation Christmas Child, to be able to help kids in the developing world, to be able to have access not just to a Christmas present, but to be able to discover Jesus' good news in the midst of that. Whether that's with Kay Lucely Children's Village, where we sponsor kids through Global Mission Partners, and our heart to see kids be able to grow up with a sense of faith, hope and love uh, as they go through the different circumstances that they go through. We recognise that we've been involved in lots of other partnerships. We've been involved in the Bible Society where we raise funds to be able to send Bibles to people who don't have access to the good news uh, other than being able to be supported by churches like ours. And there's countless other examples over the last decades that we have invested in where we have helped to see the good news about Jesus spread all over the world and in doing so to be able to see people's lives changed. But it's not just what's happened globally. We also know that there are some things that have happened for us as we have encountered Jesus' good news here as a church as well. And uh, this week I emailed a number of people and said, I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, this statement. I'm grateful for Brooklyn Park Church of Christ because... And uh, I got a few responses back that I thought I would read for you. I'm grateful for Brooklyn Park Church for all the wonderful people that greet me each Sunday and make me feel good to belong here. I'm grateful for Brooklyn Park Church because I've been made to feel included from the very first day that I attended. Brooklyn Park is my spiritual family. I'm grateful for Brooklyn Park Church for the privilege of worshipping and serving the Lord with such a wonderful family of believers. I'm grateful for Brooklyn Park Church because I feel accepted and welcomed. And there's a pretty key theme that runs through all of those statements, this reality about acceptance and welcome and feeling a part of the family. And that's something that people have experienced as they become a part of our church that has helped to transform people's lives. 
as we have looked at what it means to live out the love of Jesus and to share his good news, it should automatically translate into acceptance and welcome and a sense of belonging. And it's so great to hear that that's been the case. So today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to stop right now in the middle of the message and take some time to do exactly what Paul did, to be able to thank God for all of the work that he has done in and through our church over the last 96 years. So would you join me as we take a bit of time to thank God for the work that he's done and uh, pray into that. God, we are so grateful for the way in which you have been at work in the life of our church over these last 96 years. And we thank you, we thank you that all of that ultimately rests with you, Jesus. That our faith in you is what has sustained us and has helped us to be the people that we are today. We thank you for the generations of people who've continued to put their trust in you. We thank you for the amazing love that you have spread through this church family that you have spread to other churches as we've connected with them and that you've spread out into the community among, among us as we have continued to do the work that you've called us to do. We thank you for the generations of hope uh, that have been experienced here where people going through all sorts of different circumstances in their lives have been able to place their hope in you, that you are the God who created the universe, that you do have a bigger plan and a bigger purpose than what's right in front of us that there is something beyond this life, but it's not something that we have to wait for, it's something that we can experience in the here and now. We thank you for the way in which your good news, Jesus, has been spread around the world because of the generosity of generations of people in this church family. We thank you for the way in which people's lives have been changed and transformed locally and around the world because of the work of this church. We celebrate with Paul this reality of the work that you have been doing, but we also celebrate and say thank you for the legacy that's given to us by the generations of people who have chosen to invest their time, their heart, their passion, their finances and themselves into this church so that we can be here today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, Paul doesn't finish there. He does then start to look forward. And in verse 9, he says, So we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honour and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you'll grow as you learn to know God better and better. Now, as I was doing a bit of reading this week and a bit of research getting ready for today, I read this quote. These verses teach us more about the essence of prayer than any other passage in the New Testament. It's a pretty bold statement. These verses teach us more about the essence of prayer than any other passage in the New Testament. And in particular, uh, that person was talking about the reality that prayer is about two things. It's about the discernment of God's will And then it's about praying for the power to perform God's will. That prayer ultimately is about us stopping long enough to hear what it is that God's up to, to hear what God's will is and what God's plans are, but then also to be able to say, God, give us the power and the strength to be able to carry out what your will is and what your plans are. So we start by recognising that God does have a plan, that we genuinely believe that. But it's good for us to just stop and think, what is our picture of what that plan is? What's our vision of what God's plan is, even just for the community around us? 
Because sometimes I don't know about you, but I can fall into the trap of thinking that God's plan is just like small incremental change. That maybe if things can be just a little bit better than they are now. That maybe if just a couple of things could get sorted out, that would be really, really amazing. But then I stop and I recognise that God is the God who created the entire universe. God is the God who spoke life into existence. God is the God who raised Jesus from the dead. So I'm pretty sure that God's vision and God's plan is a little bit bigger than just small, tiny little bits of incremental change where things might be a little bit better than what they are today. So it's good for us to stop on a regular basis and to say, God, what is your perspective? What is your plan? What is your vision for what you want to do in the community around us? But also to be able to say, and what's our role in that? Because we don't just pray for understanding, we don't just pray for discernment to say, God, well, we hope that we can hear what it is that you've got to do and that you will then go ahead and do it. We also stop and we say, God, give us the power to be able to do your will. Now, this is encouraging in some ways because it reminds us that it's not up to us to have to have the power and the strength to carry out the things that God wants us to do. We rely on his work through us. But I read this quote as well that I think sums it up well. The greatest problem in life is not to know what to do, but to do it. To have the will and the power to act according to what we know. To be able to stop long enough to say, if God has this amazing picture and this amazing vision of what his plan is, can we stop long enough to be able to say, God, give us the power and the strength to be able to follow through and to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And ultimately, why do we pray for these things to happen? Well, Paul says, so that we can live to honour and please God. We don't do this in the hope that we might be accepted or that God will kind of look down with us uh, with favour so that we can impress him somehow. But we do this as a response to say, if we catch a picture of what God's vision is, if we catch a picture of how amazing God is and all that God can do, then that will hopefully inspire us and encourage us and motivate us to be involved and to honour and make God look good in all of the things that we do. Ultimately, we also want to be a part of seeing good fruit produced, as we've already talked about, so that people can see the good things that God's doing in tangible ways. But ultimately, Paul says all of this is so that we can know God better and better. We don't just pray for wisdom and an understanding of God's will so that we can know more about God. We do all of this. We live all of this out so that we can deepen our relationship and our connection with God, so that we can know God more and more. And so that's why Paul says what he says in verses 11 to 14. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you'll have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Paul prays that we would be strengthened with endurance and patience. And we've talked about those two words a number of times before, but just as a reminder, endurance is the refusal to be daunted by hard times and patience is the refusal to be upset by perverse people. I have found those to be two exceptionally helpful definitions. That endurance is the refusal to be daunted by hard times. That when hard times come our way, when challenges come our way, as they inevitably do, we're not daunted by them. We continue to push forward. We continue to say, God, give us the power and strength to do the things that you want us to be able to do. 
And patience is the refusal to be upset by perverse people, to recognise that when we have challenging times with people, when we have people who frustrate us or people who don't do the right things, we don't allow those things to upset us. But again, we continue to move forward to say, God, help us to have the power and strength to follow through on the things that you've called us to do. And so even, or probably more accurately, especially when things are hard, we continue to lean into what God is saying. We continue to say, God, help us to discern what your will is. And we continue to ask God to give us the power to do his will. We know that over the last 96 years, things haven't always been super smooth sailing for us as a church. We've had our challenges at different times in our history. However, we've always come back to these two things that have helped to set us on track. We've come back to say, God, help us to understand what your vision is. Help us to discern what your will is. Help us to hear your voice in this moment. And then help us to have the strength and the power to follow through on the things that you want and need us to do. And when we've done that, we've ended up getting back on track and we've ended up being able to move forward. Paul's prayer is that all of that means that we're ultimately filled with a sense of joy and that we continually thank the Father, that we have a sense of joy and gratitude for all that God has done as we recognise the things that God has done, but also the things that God is doing and a sense of joy about what God is going to do. And ultimately, Paul leaves us with this reminder about what it means for us to live as people of the light, to live in freedom and forgiveness. And the wording that's used here is actually the idea that if you think back on the history of the Israelites, and this happened to lots and lots of people uh, in different times in history, when one nation was captured, uh, when, when one nation was beaten by another nation, those people were often captured and taken into captivity. So we think about the Israelites being defeated by the Babylonians as an example. And so the Israelites are then taken into captivity in Babylon. A little bit of time would pass and one of two things would happen. That nation would either get overtaken by another nation or they would just get bored and they would say, what are these people doing here? Let's get rid of them. And so ultimately they would say, you're free. It's time for you to go home. You can go back to the country where you came from originally. And just imagine what that would be like to be able to say, we've been living in captivity, we've been living as prisoners and now we've been set free to be able to go back to our homeland and to be able to live in complete freedom. That would be an amazing thing to be able to experience. That's the language that Paul uses when he talks about what Jesus has done for us. That we aren't people who live in captivity. We aren't people who live as prisoners. We aren't people who live in darkness. We've been transported out of that into the kingdom of light. To live in freedom, to live in forgiveness, to be able to have a sense of being able to say, we get to go home and to be able to live the way that God wants us to live. That, again, should provoke a sense of joy and gratitude for all that God's got for us. So, again, I want to take a moment to be able to pause and to be able to pray and to say, God, continue to help us to discern what your will is and help us to be able to know what it is to have the power and strength that you've got for us as we continue to move forward. So let's pray. God, we do acknowledge that you are the God of the universe and that your perspective is so much bigger than ours. We're sorry that so often our vision is limited by what we think we can do. We pray that you would help us to be able to lift our eyes 
and to catch a glimpse of what your vision is for our community, for our city, for our nation, for our world and for our church. Help us to be able to understand and to discern what your will is, what it is to see your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. But we also ask that you would help us to have the courage to ask for the power and strength to be able to follow through on the things that you want us to do in order for your will to be done. As we move forward from our 96th birthday, as we continue to move forward into the next year and beyond, our heart's desire is simply to know what it is that you're up to, to be able to understand what your vision is for us as a church, and then to be able to understand the role that you've got for us to play in that, and to ask for the power and the strength to be able to do your will. And to be able to do that, even in the difficult circumstances that we might face, even in the challenges that are ahead of us, to be able to continue to move forward. We thank you ultimately, Jesus, that you have rescued us from darkness, that you have set us free, you have liberated us. And we pray that you would continue to help us to understand just how amazing that is, how much of a sense that that is good news, that that's amazingly great news. And help us to then be people who are passionate about helping others to discover what it means to live in freedom and forgiveness that you've given to us. In your name we pray. Amen.